Let's start reshaping Europe. It's time. A podcast series of dialogue perspectives discussing religions and worldviews. A program of the Leo Beck Foundation, supported by the Federal Foreign Office. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Dialogue Perspectives podcast series, Reshaping Europe. My name is Guy Schochat. I'm a program manager at Dialogue Perspectives. And today, we are glad to air an episode featuring our two Dialogue Perspectives participants, Norenisa Reichling and Jessica Jung. In the following 25 minutes, the first of their two contributions to our podcast series, Jessica and Norenisa will discuss their approaches to the complex relationship between the topics of mental health and religious practice. Their two respective viewpoints on the issue, underscored by their academic, religious and private engagements, yield an intriguing interplay that gives us some clarity on how these two spheres intermingle with each other on a daily basis. In positive, as well as in negative ways. Nurenisa Reichling is a recent graduate in Languages and Economics and a current master's student in Global Studies at the University of Graz in Austria. In her free time, she delves into traditional Islamic sciences and has volunteered with Muslim organizations in Scotland, where she currently lives. She has thereby developed an interest in the intersection of mental health and Islam from personal encounters as well as through her volunteer work. Jessica Jung is currently studying for her master's degree in intercultural psychology at the University of Osnabrück in Germany. Due to her studies, the topic of mental health has been omnipresent for a long time. She has thus developed long-standing interest in the ways religion and spirituality shape the human psyche and how this essential part of life can be addressed in the context of psychotherapy. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Nuranisa and Jessica and look forward to your feedback. Enjoy and reflect. Welcome to our podcast episode today. My name is Nurunissa and together with Jessica, we will be speaking to you about the topic of mental health and its interconnections with religions. As you may know, as Dialogue Perspective members, we collected a range of issues and demands that we hope European society will pay more attention to. And given the recent corona crisis, it's no wonder that mental health and support for mental health problems came up as one of such demands. So Jessica and I, We formed one of the working groups during last year's DP cohort and we focused on this particular topic and we met several times for dialogue rounds and we exchanged our personal experiences and anecdotes and knowledge that we had gained from our respective backgrounds. And we also held a workshop during the DP conference in June 2021 on the topic of mental health, where we were discussing the personal experiences of the workshop participants with their own mental health. And we asked them, have you ever suffered from mental health issues? And not very surprisingly, the entirety of the participants confirmed that they had And indeed, it seems that mental health conditions such as depression, anxiety or substance abuse have been on the rise globally. And the World Health Organization is mentioning that this could have been 
fueled by armed conflicts and demographic changes, but other reasons can also be ever-increasing pace at work or constant comparison on social media. The WHO actually estimates that around one in five people worldwide suffer from mental health conditions and also report an increase of 13% in mental health conditions within one decade alone. The upside is that the importance of sound mental health is more and more recognized on a global scale. So, for instance, mental health has been included as one of the sustainable development goals. And it's becoming more and more acceptable to speak about one's own mental health problems and issues and seek professional support and advice. But as a consequence of this growing awareness, the demand for mental health support is also increasing and not met as quickly. For instance, in Germany, what we saw during the recent corona crisis is that the demand increased so much that the waiting periods for psychotherapy have increased dramatically. So when we talk about mental health, I think, first of all, it's very important to have a closer look at what we are actually talking about when we mean mental health. According to the World Health Organization, mental health would be defined as a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her own community. In contrast to that, following a definition of the American Psychiatric Association, mental illnesses, so we look at the opposite here, are health conditions involving changes in emotion, thinking or behavior. And of course, there can be a combination of these. Furthermore, mental illnesses are associated with distress and or problems functioning in social work or family activities. So we see we're talking about a very broad and very complex field. And of course, there are big differences between the different mental health problems. Talking about depression, for example, would be a totally different thing than talking about a personality disorder or schizophrenia. And just as the symptoms and areas of problems differ, so do the reasons for mental health issues, right? There's a wide range of factors, from genetic influences to traumatic experiences, stress, injuries, and so on. A point that is gaining an awareness at the moment is that there are cultural differences in the definitions. As the concept of mental health is socially constructed and defined, I think it's very important to keep in mind that due to this, of course, mental health, as well as mental illnesses in their treatments, are conceptualized very differently depending on the area and culture where you're living. In an increasingly globalized world where cultures and societies mingle, taking these differences into account and addressing them is essential. So in the complex field of mental health, seeing person as a whole is very important. And as mental health issues need to be dealt with in a holistic manner, the importance of recognizing religion and spirituality in its treatment is more and more recognized. That leads to the interesting question of how can religion affect our mental health? And to answer this question, just as we before had to clarify what we're talking about when we talk about mental health, I think we also have to specify what we're talking about when we speak about religion and spirituality. I mean, these concepts are probably just as diverse and complex as the field of mental health. But nevertheless, I'm just going to try to give you a short wrap up so that we're all on the same side. 
So spirituality and religion are often used interchangeably, but the two are actually very different concepts. Some researchers contend that spirituality involves a personal quest for meaning in life, some sense of connectedness to oneself and others, and a higher power. While religion, on the other hand, involves an organized entity with rituals and practices focusing on a higher power or God. Spirituality may be related to religion for certain individuals, but it doesn't have to for others. Now, when we go on, we will probably too sometimes use the words interchangeably, but still it's important to keep in mind that they both go along with their different meanings and conceptualizations. So recently, the research on the link between mental health and religion and spirituality is growing. For a psychological approach on the topic, there are various different conceptualizations of the psychological aspects and motives of religiousness. For example, Sarah Glow et al. presented a distinction between believing, bonding, behaving and belonging. These four dimensions shall reflect differences in the nature of processes, so to say, a cognitive, emotional, moral or social nature of process, and not in the quality. So it's not about a positive or negative thing, but about how it differs concerning where it comes from and what are the psychological facets of the area of concern. Looking at these conceptualizations, we see that religion and spirituality are supposed to cover lots of very important psychological facets. And of course, religion and spirituality differ for each person. And so does the psychological functioning underlying the set of beliefs and behavior. And of course, therefore, the link between mental health and religion and spirituality is very unique for each individual. It definitely has a double-edged capacity to enhance and to damage one's mental health. So let's first have a look on the positive impact religion and spirituality can have for mental health. Yes, so as Jessica has explained, mental health is considered a state where a person can deal with the normal stresses of family life, social life and work life and continue to be functioning and contributing to society. And there are many factors that can help foster our mental health. For instance, taking care of our physical health by sleeping enough, eating healthy and balanced foods, doing exercise, avoiding drug consumption and narcotics, following a routine, cultivating healthy relationships with family and friends, maintaining healthy thinking patterns, practicing mindfulness and focusing on living in the moment, for instance, through breathing exercises, being careful on the information we consume in terms of watching the news or scrolling through social media, etc, etc, etc. And many of these elements are actually closely connected to religious practices and can be found in religious rituals, especially in organized and institutional religions characterized by some degree of rigidity which, on the other hand, can also offer stability to believers through rituals and routines. So in Islam, for instance, the day is clearly structured around the five daily prayers and there are numerous religious recommendations on how to perform really mundane tasks like going to the bathroom or entering a marketplace or a home or beginning to eat, etc. So There are many elements that give structure and stability during the day and create a routine. 
And the same is true for elements that relate to our social life and a sense of community. Because in most religions, there are forms of worship that are performed in community. So again, coming back to Islam, the community or ummah in Arabic is really, really important. And all of the five pillars of Islam are somehow connected to the community. For instance, when it comes to the daily prayer, um, there is a recommendation of performing the obligatory prayer in the mosque congregation. Or when it comes to the zakat, which is the yearly tax on one's property, um, this is obligatory for everyone in the community who can afford it in order for it to dis to be distributed within the poor and the needy in the community and create a sense of community. And some forms of worship in Islam, for instance, are only valid when performed in congregations such as the Friday prayer, Eid prayer or the yearly pilgrimage. And in this way, the religion fosters in the words of Maruk Shaukat from the Scottish Muslim Women's Organization Amina that I interviewed on this topic, a sense of belonging, unity, universal culture and shared goals. And ultimately, this offers stability to the believers. And this stability can be an important factor in maintaining and strengthening the mental health of an individual. And on a more personal or individual level, spirituality, as opposed to organized religion, is also a personal mental resource in itself that can be very beneficial for mental health. For instance, all religions contain some elements of meditation or meditative practices in their forms of worship through which the believer is supposed to connect with their soul or connect with God or the universe or just focus on the present. And in fact, for mental health purposes, such forms of meditation are really considered to be beneficial. Also, religions generally answer questions of purpose of life. And sometimes that can make it easier in life to deal with problems and issues when you believe that there is a bigger cause or purpose of life rather than just the purpose in life. So in this context, it doesn't come as a surprise that many religions offer some sort of reward in the hereafter for the hardships that we endure in this world. And that can make it easier to bear any difficulties, so to speak, for the bigger cause. Oh yes, the bigger cause. I think this is one of the most important facets of faith, the search for meaning and orientation. What you just mentioned are all very important elements that can serve people as resources, guidelines and motivation in daily life. But I think especially also when it comes to dealing with personal crisis. Empirical studies have shown that many people turn to religion in their efforts to understand and deal with the most difficult times of their lives. One of the leading figures of psychology of religion, Kenneth Pargment, worked especially on the psychological mechanisms of coping that religion can provide. And like you've already mentioned, religious coping can serve multiple functions. For example, the search for meaning, control, anxiety reduction, intimacy with others, identity, and of course help to achieve life transformations. Everything very important functions to support well-being. 
And I mean, the stunning thing is that you can even see this on an empirical level. For example, there are lots of clinical studies that show improved reactions to medication and treatment when faith is consistent with medical advice and addressed in patient care. But on the other hand, and now we'll have a look at the other side of the coin, spirituality can be a cause for mental health struggles itself or be a hurdle for treatment. Coming back to how people deal with life stresses, besides religion as a source for positive coping, there are also negative religious coping mechanisms. The psychologist Parkment describes them as reflecting underlying spiritual tensions and struggles within oneself, with others and with the divine. For example, instead of believing that a loving God will heal me, part of the negative coping mechanism would be a person wondering whether God had abandoned me, feeling punished by God or questioning God's love. So sometimes religious beliefs can make mental health problems worse or even create them. For example, when it comes to very high moral standards or strict religion-based norms. Yes, indeed. In the religious context, the idea of guilt and sins can be quite strong and believers might end up beating themselves up for not living up to the moral standards and rules provided by their religion. Or as Marwak Shaukat from Amanas Helpline for Muslim Women puts it, she said, the consequences of right and wrong in religious setting can seem more severe, which can then put pressure on people to do what they perceive as good or what others perceive as good, and then cause significant anxiety when they're not able to, unquote. So Marok has, for instance, told me of people calling the helpline who are interpreting any calamities happening in their life as a punishment because maybe they don't pray enough or they do not wear the headscarf or they do not respect their parents enough. And in fact, as much as religions offer stability through norms and often strict guidelines on how to live one's own life, if those guidelines are contrary to one's own values or opinions or just life experience, this can lead to inner conflict and in some cases constitute a real challenge for one's mental health. For instance, certain actions relating to sexuality may not seem to be a problem for non-religious people, but may be considered sinful in some religions and then can thus cause feelings of guilt or even cognitive dissonance. And also certain problems such as alcohol, drug or porn addiction or prostitution, they do carry a worldly societal stigma, but on top of that, they also have a religious stigma, especially when they're considered sinful in that religion. So. That can make it even more difficult to admit the existence of such a problem in the first place and seek help for it. And this can be especially problematic in small religious communities, as Marok also explained, where there's less anonymity and where the community pressures can become an added burden. So, especially when religious beliefs are deeply ingrained in societies, they closely relate to cultural norms and expectations to the extent where you can't separate one from the other and can transform into group pressure. And then what is acceptable behavior is not just defined solely by one's own personal individual belief or personal choice, but then also monitored by the family, neighbors, colleagues, or in a more institutionalized forms, the police or the court system. So 
Religion can thus also lead to a loss of self-determination, which is also problematic for mental health. Yeah, that's the negative side effect of guidelines and orientation. And I think here we come to another important point. What happens when people lose faith and or leave the religious community they were living in? Besides the negative influence that religion and spirituality possibly can have on somebody's mental health, going through a deconversion, so to say leaving your religion and faith, can be seen as a kind of dramatic stressor itself. It definitely depends a lot on the reasons for the deconversion, but I think in general we can say that a change like this goes along with lots of challenges. These challenges can be in the context of relationships, such as family conflicts, conflicts among friends or within a partnership, and of course when leaving a community and being socially marginalized. On another level, leaving one's faith can also have a major impact on your psyche, because it can feel like loosening your crowns and having to reconstruct your whole life from scratch, without orientation and the guidelines you've been used to. And in the worst case, even without trust in beloved ones or trust in oneself, because of the enormous inner struggles of questioning the own perception and decisions in the past. In the internet, we can find more and more communities with people sharing their stories about deconversion, doubts and mental health. And in this context, a lot of persons openly talk about how important it was to them to search for psychological help. And this brings us to the question of treatment of mental health issues and the importance and role of religion for this. Here again, just as we were talking about the impact of religion and spirituality on mental health, it is clear that religion can have both positive and negative consequences for the treatment of mental health issues. So what role does religion play in the context of mental health treatment? Does the background of the therapist matter? Which opportunities exist? These are questions that we would like to speak about in the next part of our podcast. We hope that you got intrigued and join us for the next podcast episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dialogue Perspectives podcast series, Reshaping Europe. This was an enticing conversation by our two participants, Nuranisa Reichling and Jessica Jung, on their interconnections between the issues of mental health and religious tradition and practice. We hope you enjoyed the first part of their conversation. Stay tuned for part two of their dialogue and, of course, also for our further episodes that you can download via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout or Google Podcasts. Also, Do make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My name is Guy Schochat. Stay tuned.